0: first family, isn't it good to be together? Praise the Lord. At least I think it's good to be together, even if you don't, all right? Hey, if you have your Bible, Daniel is where we are going to be this morning. It is a joy to open the Word of God and to rejoice in it together. We're talking today about our friend Daniel, trusting God in a strange place and a strange time. Now, that video that you just saw sort of is an overview of the whole book. Well, rest easy. We're not going to cover the whole book this morning but we are going to go to two ends of it. I wonder if you've ever used bookends. Bookends, things that we use to hold books up. It's one on one end and one on the other end. And what's really interesting, it doesn't matter how ornate or how beautiful those bookends are, it's the stories that are between them that make it what it is. When we take a look at Daniel... And we find ourselves with two bookends, two very different bookends. One is the one Randy read for you so well just a minute ago. Bookend number one is when he's a stranger in a strange land. Even there, Daniel walked confidently with God. That's what we read just a moment ago. And I want to tell you, friends, here's where we jump off into some beautiful and rich history. Maybe you have noticed that we, the people of God, are not always the most loved people in our culture. <laughs> I was surprised somebody didn't say amen to that. Yeah, uh, the things of God are set aside regularly in our world, and we are mocked, ridiculed even sometimes, for believing the Word of God is what it is, inerrant, faithful, true, and uh, That's kind of the same place that Daniel found himself. To understand it, really, we have to go back to about 550, 500 BC. That's about the time that the South Kingdom fell. The Southern Kingdom, we call Judah. Jerusalem and the surrounding areas there, they fell. Now, you would have thought that The 150 or so years before, when the northern kingdom fell, the southern kingdom would have said, you know what, maybe God meant it when he said, don't disobey me. Maybe we should straighten ourselves out and do what God has called us to do, be who God has made us to be. Well, you would think that, but you would be wrong. The southern kingdom made the same mistakes. And when we see them in the beginning of the book of Daniel we see Nebuchadnezzar carrying them away. Nebuchadnezzar, we know his name, even if it's not always the most easy to spell. You'll be glad to know, though, if you just put half of it in, spell check in Microsoft Word will help you get the rest. Isn't that good news? Nebuchadnezzar, a king intoxicated with his own power and one who lived in Babylon. It goes by a lot of different names in the section that Randy read for you the land of Shinar, the Chaldeans, it's all Babylon. And when we find ourselves there, we realize that Nebuchadnezzar is taking the best. He's taking all of the good stuff from the land of Israel back to Babylon, including people. People. He steals them first. Daniel was hardly a teenager when he was taken away. The other three names you may not have recognized, but you'd recognize them in another form, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went with him. They were taken far, far, far from their homes to a place where they had never known anything. There was nothing familiar, and Daniel had a choice to make. You see, what the Babylonians, Nebuchadnezzar, believed was that if they could force them Into Babylonian ways they could make these these individuals who were by birth Israelites into Babylonians let me tell you friends you can take the boy away from the temple but you can't take the temple away from the boy it's sort of like when we were in uh, when we were in Israel a few weeks ago and uh, I was wearing a DBU shirt Somebody said something to me about it, and I said something similar. You can take the boy away from Texas, but not Texas from the boy. Friends, I want you to realize Daniel had a choice to make, but it had already been made. Would you just look down at verse 8? I want you to see that. Daniel had purposed in his heart. In other words, he had already settled this question. It wasn't a decision to make. It had already been made. He knew exactly who he was. He wasn't going to think about it. He wasn't going to debate it. He wasn't flipping a coin to decide whether he would be Israelite or Babylonian. He had already set his mind and heart that he was going to be God's child, that he was going to follow God's pathways, and that he was going to do what God had called him to do. And more importantly, most importantly, he was going to be who God made him to be. Being always trumps doing. Let's be clear about that. And when we see Daniel getting started this way, there are others who don't want him to. Keep reading, you see the captain of the guard comes to him and says, well, wait a minute. Because what Daniel asks for is the right to not eat all these things sacrificed to idols. The captain of the guard says, well, wait a minute. If you don't look as good as the others, I'll get in trouble. Daniel says, put us to the test. What he's really saying is, Let me show you how faithful my God is. Oh, friends, sometimes we think too little of God and too much of ourselves. We put ourselves in a place of God and we exalt ourselves and we lift ourselves up and all the while we're lowering God. And we're saying, God, you need me to help you out. Let's be clear, friends. God doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help doesn't mean he doesn't want us involved in his process, but he doesn't need our help to accomplish his purposes. So Daniel says, put us to the test and let me show you how faithful my God is. By the end of the test period, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked better than those who had received all the other things. Let me tell you, friends, that sets the stage for the next several chapters If you run ahead to chapter 3, you'll see Daniel was not the only one who was tested. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they found themselves in the fiery furnace. And there they proved their God faithful. In chapter 4, there's writing on the wall. Chapter 5, Daniel has aged. And then we get to chapter 6 and the other bookend. When we arrive at chapter 6, by this time in those five chapters from one end to the other, our friend Daniel has aged. Now, I'm not going to say this is old, but it appears if our chronology is to be trusted, he's somewhere in his 70s. You know, it's amazing how young that seems to me now at 55, that it didn't seem when I was 20. I thought people, I thought 40 was old when I was 20. Now, 70 looks pretty good. So, Daniel is somewhere in his 70s. He's on the back end of his career. The kingdom has changed. Nebuchadnezzar is not in charge anymore. Darius is. Darius, for whom I am named. Let's be clear, friends. Darius' name, it means little great one. (laughs) Ironic, isn't it? (laughs) On both ends, little and great. We'll come back to that another time. When we see bookend two, though, we find ourselves beginning a story that we teach our children from their very earliest days. It's a simple story, one about a man, his God, his enemies, and some lions. Today, though, I want to unpack it a little more slowly so we don't rush to get Daniel into the lion's den, and we don't rush to get him back out. I want us to see instead why this bookend is so significant. It's not the last one. There's another one in chapter 8. It sets the table for revelation. We used it several times. Chapter 9 as well. But this is the one, if Daniel has a donut hole, this is it. The rest of the book revolves around this incident, when Daniel is a, an older man. Book n 2 presents us Daniel's honesty versus the enemy's corruption. In the first four verses, you see that there were some people, people that worked for King Darius, people that served him and were supposed to be preventing loss from occurring in his kingdom. They were doing the opposite of that. They were actually causing loss. They were lining their pockets with the proceeds that should have gone to the kingdom. There was one, though, that wouldn't do that, Daniel. He had survived Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom and had been transitioned in to Darius's. This, friends, is unusual all by itself. The problem that Darius had is that he was right. His suspicions were correct. They were cheating him. These men were robbing him blind. And yet there was still more to take except for this troublesome Daniel standing watch. Darius knew it too, so Daniel was a favored and trusted ally. That's why he kept him so close. He'd proven his value through two empires now. He'd seen it all and maintained his integrity. These cheats, they would never be able to really throw him over. Unless, unless, they'd never be able to bribe him or trick him unless, unless it was something to do with God's law. To trap him, they'd have to use that. In the next few verses, we see Daniel's faith versus the enemy's schemes. I don't know that there's a more apropos moment in in this section than the one we are taking up right here. These verses verses 5 to 11. It is a reflection on how to live a godly life in a non-godly culture. Sound familiar? I hope it does because it's where we live too. I want you to see what Daniel does. See, the enemy, they came up with a plan. And they cut right around Daniel and went straight to the king. They said, hey, king, you're so important. You are so very valuable to the kingdom. Nobody should trust in anything besides you. And certainly no one should pray to anybody except you. You know, arrogance has its cost, doesn't it? Arrogance has its price. That's what they were appealing to. And Darius went right along. Yeah, yeah. Who better, right? They decided they would make this decree, and anybody who violated it would be thrown into the lion's den. Now, what they knew was that Daniel was one who prayed regularly. Every day, he would kneel in his room with the windows open toward Jerusalem and pray to his God. They knew this would be the way to get him. And so they put it down, and they had Darius sign it, making it law. That means that it cannot be revoked. It can be be altered, but not revoked. The penalty, death by lions, seems a bit severe for praying, but they wanted to put an exclamation mark on their wishes, and they did so. He knew what they were up to. Daniel did. Didn't change a thing for him. He went home, opened his windows, And did what he always did, prayed without fear. Can we pause the story just for a moment here and say, friends, we are in a moment like that right now? Maybe you've seen some of the things that have been happening around us where Christianity, it it might appear, is being marginalized and pushed to the edges. I even saw one video where a lady was praying silently in front of a building and they ran her off. Can I tell you today, friends, we shouldn't be surprised. It's always been that way. Daniel in 5th, 6th century BC experiences the same thing. Don't let it surprise you. Secondly, don't let it dissuade you. He knew Daniel did. His God was stronger than any decree or law. He wasn't going to let himself be swayed by fear. His God was more powerful than any lion ever could be. He knew that his God was wiser than the schemes of the enemy. And he knew he could rest securely in God's care. So he prayed. Didn't change a thing for him. And as expected, they just waited, his enemies did. They just waited for him to pray. And then they went and rat-finked him out. Rat-finks. They exist in every culture. They ran straight back to Darius and said, aha, we have one. Darius, I'm sure, said, well, let's make an example of him. It's Daniel. Hmm. When Darius realizes that he's been duped, it's too late. When he realizes the trap was set not for Daniel, but for both of them, his anger rises up. But friends, take heart. Here we have an example of God's power versus humanity's authority. You see, these enemies of God and of Daniel, they thought that they had enacted a foolproof plan. Heads, I win. Tails, you lose kind of idea. When it was clear that the directive was against Daniel, then our friend Darius had two options. He could side with Daniel and lose his kingdom or cast Daniel into the lion's den as is appropriate for the law. He had no other choices. Finally, Darius admits defeat and acknowledges the tricksters have won. Daniel would have to receive the dictated punishment. All they could do was put him in the company of the lions. Uh, They expected the lions to do their part, as wisely they should. What they forgot, though, and this is where I want you to celebrate with me, friends. What they forgot, and this is something to praise the Lord, what they forgot is that lions are part of God's created order, too. Let me tell you, You need not fear. Our God is in charge. Man, I thought I'd do better than that. Y'all seem a little tired this morning. I'm the one that doesn't feel very good. Let me tell you if Daniel defended himself, we don't have it. We don't see any sort of pushback from Daniel. He acknowledges simply that he was praying. He perhaps realizes that in his age and experience, it wasn't worth the fight. I don't think it was that, though. I think it was his faith. Hey, if God delivers me from the lions, it will show his power. If he doesn't, I'm going home to be with him anyway. There's an unshakable confidence that scares people to death that don't have faith. Unshakable confidence in God It was showed by the Hebrew children in chapter 3 with Nebuchadnezzar. Even if death was ahead, God wasn't done. The lion's den would be Daniel's home for the night. The law was clear. If you survived till morning, you were clear. For God had protected you, preserved you because of your innocence. I want you to see down there in verses 12 to 24, we have something unusual. We don't know exactly what kind of spiritual component Darius had but we know that Darius prayed see it there may the God whom you serve continually deliver you that's what he prayed as he lowered Daniel down into the lion's den was Darius a God-fearing Gentile we don't know What we do know is that Darius knew something about God because of what he saw in Daniel. How about you? Will people know something about your God by the way you live? My prayer is that that's so. Go with me back to the palace. Darius is finding no sort of peace at all. It was a fitful night. He knew Daniel was innocent. He knew the tricksters had tied his hands. How could he have been so foolish? How could he allow Daniel to be trapped like this way? How would Daniel survive an entire night in the pit of hungry lions? Let me tell you, friends, when our God declares something to be so, you can rest on it. In verses 20 to 24, see God's glory versus man's disgrace. As sunrise came, Daniel was the first one. I'm sorry, Darius was the first one there. Fearfully, he had the pit opened, and Darius called down in there, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? It was the question. There was no other. Nothing else matters. Can you imagine the long pause? And then daniel's voice came right back o king live forever my god sent his angel and shut the lions mouths they've not harmed me my god sent his angel because i was found blameless before him and also before you o king i have done no harm daniel's god was and is stronger than human authority with haste they lifted Daniel from the den. Can you imagine the joy that Darius felt as he welcomed his trusted friend back? Now flip it around. Can you imagine the terror in the eyes of the enemy of God who had tricked Darius, who had raked all their chips in on getting rid of Daniel once and for all, who went to bed the night before celebrating their good fortune Now, what would happen to them? Well, you know the story. Their deception brought their own demise, them and their families. Darius commanded they take Daniel's place in the lion's den. Unlike Daniel, however, their guilt was evident as the lions devoured them. Now, I've never seen this personally. You know my feelings about cats in general. But this time they were a tool of God, weren't they? The lions overpowered them, the Bible says, and broke all their bones in pieces. Now, is the point of the story they got what they had coming? No, no. The point of the story is our God is faithful. He cares for his own. And at the right time, he'll make it right. I want you to take home some things, things Daniel would want us to know. Let's take a walk down this road. Trusting God's power will never leave you lacking. One of the great weaknesses in my own spiritual life is what I mentioned earlier in this talk thinking too much of myself and not enough of God. I want to raise myself up and bring God down so that we're more on equal terms. Don't make that mistake, friends. Trusting God means putting all of your energy on Him. Now, does that mean that God doesn't want me involved? No, no, of course not. He he delights in using us for whatever reason. He delights in using us. And yet, God is not limited by what I can do or by who I am. He can do it with or without me because trusting God's power will never leave you lacking. Here's the second thing. Stand firm in God revealing his glory. Do you think there was ever a day after this that Darius didn't think about that night at the lion's den? About welcoming Daniel back. What story do you think got told about Daniel across the kingdom? It was about God's glory and how God did this. Do you have a story like that? (laughs) I bet you do. Are you sharing it? I hope you will. Let's keep going. Walking with God through the fire is better than walking alone. Friends, this is a moment that we realize all of us will walk through the fire. At some time in our lives, maybe even several times, we'll walk through the fire. Will we walk it alone? Or will we have someone hold our hand on the way? Here's a sad reality not every faithful servant of the Lord finds deliverance in this life. Some read the story and say, well, God delivered Daniel, but he didn't deliver my loved one or me. Why didn't God do it in my life? I don't know that. Does this mean that God is more pleased with some than with others? I don't believe so. In Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter that we call the Hall of Faith, Verses 36 to 40, it speaks of those who were persecuted and martyred, all of them looking forward to a better kingdom. Does that mean that they weren't as beloved as Daniel? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It simply means God's glory was going to be revealed in another way. Let us end with this. The most important part of a person's life is the part only God sees. So, from the time Daniel was a, a teenager, book in one, until the time he got to the lion's den, book in two, we see a journey filled with trusting God, growing in faith, and walking with God day by day by day. I wonder if you're doing that. Maybe you 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 need to start afresh today. Get off to a new start. Maybe even one that you've never walked on. Maybe you've never trusted God. You see, this is the thing. God knew that this would be a problem that we would face for a long time. How to solve it then? What's a long-term solution? (laughs) The long-term solution, his name is Jesus. He came to make it right. He died on the cross to pay for all of our sins and was raised back to life three days later to guarantee Our future, his return is soon and sudden, and our role is to prepare for it now. Maybe you've never begun to prepare for Jesus' return. Today is your day. Maybe you saw David getting baptized at the start of the service and said, hey, that's for me. I need to encounter Jesus that way. Then here's what I want you to do. We're going to stand and we're going to pray, and and then we're going to let you come down here. As soon as we're done praying, I want you to just run down here to me. And let's talk about how you can encounter Christ that way. Perhaps, just maybe, you've already done that and just gotten kind of lost along the way. Today's a good day to come home and say, I need to be in touch with the Lord again. This altar's open for you to do that very thing. There's nothing powerful or magical about these steps, but there is about a heart that wants to see God move in their own life. Maybe you just need to take some time right where you are and say, God, give me the faith of Daniel to trust you in a strange land, in a culture that is changing right under our feet, and one that may eventually declare Christianity is out of bounds altogether. Prepare me now. Let's pray together. So, God, thank you for your goodness, for the way that you've shown yourself powerfully and the way that you'll continue to do so. My prayer today, Lord, is for your wisdom, your power in each of our lives, not so we can brag or boast about how you did it because of us, rather so that your glory, like it was for Daniel, might be revealed. We know, Lord Jesus, that because of your goodness, we have a hope. We have a future, one that is not rooted in what's happening on this earth or in our culture. No, it's because of you, Jesus. So do your work here now in each of our lives, Lord, as we come to you. Gracious Jesus, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.